Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. That is involved in the Christmas story. We're going to be looking at that today. The flickering flame of this purple candle, it represents a story. A story of unshakable faith. A Christmas faith. So as we look back through history, we see Joseph. He was the earthly stepfather of our Lord Jesus Christ, whose faith never wavered. Even when he faced extraordinary circumstances, God spoke to Joseph through an angel to help him discover a deep faith that compelled him to stand by Mary. Mary, who carried the divine promise of Jesus Christ with her. Joseph's unshakable belief in the miraculous led him to support Mary with unfavoring, unwavering devotion. He showed a faith that went far beyond what we could understand as mere humans. You see, Mary, with a humble heart, her and her strong spirit, she dared to believe that God could use her to accomplish the impossible. You see, faith and destiny came together and God's sovereignty to paint the picture of courage and trust that anyone, anyone, including you in here and myself, anyone can embrace God's divine call to greatness if only they are willing. Mary had a Christmas faith. Joseph had a Christmas faith. My question to you and myself today is, do you have a Christmas faith? We're going to start by looking at Joseph. And we see in Matthew chapter 1, starting with verse 18, we see that faith is proven in life-defining moments. Faith is proven in life-defining moments. If you have a copy of God's Word, Open it up to Matthew 1, starting with verse 18. We're going to read verses 18 and 19 together. And it says, This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Some translations say through the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement off quietly. I think sometimes we don't talk about Joseph enough at Christmas. He was kind of like the surrogate father, wasn't he? He was kind of like the one that was going to be the, the I guess you could say, bookmark or the placeholder. For Jesus' Father here on earth. But my friends, don't think that. He was so much more than that. You see, as a Jew, Joseph would have known about the concept of a Jewish Messiah. We are never told the age of Joseph and Mary. But many assume that the Virgin Mary was a teenager. Because many women at that age, roughly around 13, 14 years old, would be having children at that time. I know we're thinking now, wow. But yeah, that's the way it was. You see, if God would have wanted us to know, he would have included it in Scripture, their ages. And it really, the ages are not as representative as what God did through them. I want you to understand something. Joseph 
was in love with Mary. All common sense told Joseph to cut his losses and dump Mary as crazy and damaged goods. Can you imagine her saying, well, look, God has gotten me pregnant. We say this every year, but the truth of the matter is, if somebody were to say that today, they would probably be on a daytime talk show and then not far from being in some kind of institution if it didn't, uh, if that thought didn't go away. But this was a crazy set of circumstances, wasn't it? And so Joseph had said right here in verse 19, he loved her so much that, that he said, look, I'm not going to make a big deal about this. We're just going to quietly dissolve this engagement. You see, he could have come out of this situation smelling like a rose while Mary would have been punished and even in that culture, maybe even killed through stoning. So he loved her so much he did not want to see her suffer. But it says here that Mary was still a virgin. Why is that important? Why is the virgin birth so important? Now, I have been in classes at different universities, and I've seen people try to teach that the virgin birth was not literal, but it was. It said it here, and so we're going with that, is that Mary was still a virgin. Why is it important? Because Jesus had to be born without sin and free from the power of sin because Jesus lived a sinless life. He was tempted, but he never sinned because if he had sinned, he could have not been the sacrifice that we needed for our salvation. This leads me to a comparison between a, a concept, if you would uh, bear with me just for a minute, a concept of between Adam being the first Adam and Jesus Christ being the second Adam. And I've kind of put it on a table here. I don't know if you can see it. From there, but if you're uh, watching on the YouVersion app, there's, there's a picture there of it. But I'm just going to kind of go through some of these. When I say Adam is the first Adam and Jesus Christ is the second Adam, this is what I mean. Their origin of them, God created Adam from dust in the earth, right? But Jesus was conceived through the human material of Mary and the divine Holy Spirit of God. Jesus was 100% human, but he was 100% divine as well. Adam was not. How about nature? Adam was the first being of flesh and blood. Jesus would be fully blood, but he would also be fully divine. Adam was sinful. Adam came into the world through Adam and Eve. Sin, I mean, Saturn... Sin came through Adam and Eve into this world. The curse of sin that we deal with today came through them. For example, when a child is born, no one has to teach a child how to lie. No one has to teach a child how to misbehave. No one has to teach a child how to uh, get in trouble. It kind of happens on its own, right? There's this nature inside of us that wants us to rebel. So sinfulness, sin... We were disobeying God, but yet Jesus was sinless. The relationship between Adam and Eve and God represented humanity, but yet the relationship of Jesus with God, he is one of three in the Trinity. He is God. Adam was the head of creation. Jesus will be the head of the new creation. And there's more here. Adam did not physically rise from the dead, but 
Jesus did. Adam is the father of all humanity, and yet he is the source of sin. But yet Jesus is the savior of humanity, and he is the source of salvation. If you brought your Bibles again, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 45 through 49. If you want, I'll just read it for you. But this explains this whole concept of the second Adam. It says, the scriptures tell us the first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is a natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, and while Christ, the second man, came from heaven, earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like earthly man, We will someday be like the heavenly man. What does all that say? What all that says is, is the reason as a believer you can have hope at funerals. The reason when Donna and I went to go see uh, her father and then my parents this past weekend, we put put, uh, flowers and a Christmas tree on their graves. And the reason that we can have hope when we go see them is because of what is being talked about here. By ourselves, with Adam alone, we would be... We would just still be nothing. We would be dust and we would go back to being dust. But because of Jesus Christ, we will see one another again. Because of Jesus Christ, we can have these heavenly bodies that Jesus had. That is what happens with that. So let's talk a little bit about verse 19 where it says they were engaged. Or uh, the, the King James uses the word betrothed. Now it's a little bit more involved in the biblical days than it is today. Nowadays, when you get engaged, you just put it on Instagram or Facebook, and it's official, right? No. Back in this day, this whole engagement or betrothal process had three main areas. The first thing was the actual engagement. And I, I'm sorry to tell you, this was not like a, a, a movie like The Notebook or some kind of love story or a Hallmark Christmas special. The way that they were married back in that day is that it was a formal agreement. The fathers would come get, to get together, and they would decide which children should pair up and be married. Boy, how would that have worked if your father would have been the one responsible for who you married? Who knows what could happen? But that was the situation here. The families got together, and they said that these two would become married. There was no love. There was no dating. There was no courting. There was no Instagram proposals. The father's goal when they did this, when they paired couples together, paired families together, the goal was, A, to keep the family line going, to keep the name going for their family, but then also to make sure that each family's financial wealth was secure. That was the whole reason for that. Then, So that was the engagement period. That was number one. The second one was a betrothal. That's a period of engagement and marriage when the couple is considered legally bound. I mean, you are, for all intents and purposes, you are married. That is your one person. You are are together. You are legally bound. And it's much stronger than we consider being engaged in today's culture. In today's culture, if you start getting cold feet, you just dissolve and everything is fine. And then you just go on. But in that day, there was like, it was like a legal binding saying, hey, y'all are going to be married. And then everything, all the commitments were made except for the final ceremony. Now, here's the thing. What would happen for the marriage is that approximately one year later, the bridegroom came for his bride 
at an unexpected time. Now, I am not the sharpest pencil in the drawer, but I do, when I read this, I can see, you know, the Bible tells us, God tells us, Jesus tells us that marriage is symbolic of Christ. Christ is uh, the bridegroom, and we are the church. We are his bride, right? And he's going to come back at any time. During that time of marriage, the groom, would, the bridegroom would come back any time within that year. The, the bride wouldn't know, but everything would be ready, and then... You were married. There was an unexpected, but yet a blind devotion to that. And then what we see here is that faithfulness was expected from one another, and the only way to break that arrangement was to get a divorce. Even if the final marriage ceremony had not happened, you legally had to go get a divorce if you were in step two or even in step one of that engagement process. It was going to be messy. And notice what verses 20 through 23 say. Look at your scripture. It says, as he considered this. Now, when it says, as he considered this, he's thinking, option one, I divorce her. Option two, she's going to get punished. As he considered his two options, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid. I love the first moment that... Joseph sees this angel. I don't think it was like he was standing in the Starbucks line and the guy turned around and said, hey, don't be afraid. The Lord's with you. I think it was much more grand than that. And he says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. So this angel, this messenger of God, I'm sure Joseph thought that he was the only one dealing with it. says, hey, look at this. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Then in verse 23, the angel quotes Old Testament prophecy. As a Jewish man, Joseph would have known this. And so he goes back and he quotes Isaiah 7.14 when he says, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So Joseph is getting a real dose of of some godly message here. And then we see that it says in verse 24, when Joseph woke up, so I guess it was some kind of vision. When Joseph woke up, he didn't go talk to his friends about it. He didn't go talk to his parents about it. He didn't write a blog post about it. What does it say? He did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born and Joseph named him Jesus. What was God's option? That was option number three. There was option one, divorce her. Option number two, she was going to get punished, maybe even killed. Or option number three, Mary, Mary. M-A-R-R-Y, M-A-R-Y. Mary, Mary. That was option three. That was God's option. Joseph didn't come up with that idea on his own. God showed it to him through an angel delivering his message. So here's the thing, folks. If you're ever deciding between option one and option two, and you haven't consulted God, I would lovingly tell you to consult God and get option three, which is his option. You see, God will always show us 
His option when we run out of our own. God will always show us His option when we run out of our own. Joseph sought God's wisdom. He took God's message seriously, and he was more concerned about others, Mary, than himself. He followed through with his, he followed through with his commitment, with his Christmas faith. You see, Joseph's life-defining Christmas faith was not easy. Joseph stood up for Mary when it was not easy. Folks, it's hard to stand up. For people when it's not easy, but it takes faith. Joseph could have likely been the laughing stock of the town. He could have been the one that everybody talks about. (laughs) Did you hear what his wife said happened? God got her pregnant. Okay. We know what it was. He looked weak to others for marrying a wife in her condition especially claiming that God was the Father. And some may have thought Joseph was even in on the conspiracy. But let me tell you a little secret. When it comes to following God and what God calls you to do, it doesn't matter what others think. It's between you and God. So here's a life point here. Life point number one, a leap of faith with God's promise. It says, when God asks you to take a leap of faith, it is always coupled with his promise. When God asks you to take a leap of faith, it is always coupled with don't be afraid. If you're not scared to take that leap, is it really a leap of faith anyway? Then we see why Joseph and why now in verses 24 and 25. It says, When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. There are two big reasons that Joseph was the guy. There are two very big reasons why Joseph was the man that would be the earthly father of Jesus. Number one, I don't know if you know this, but in this Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, the one thread that ties the whole thing together is Jesus. In the Old Testament, you see how it was told that he would come, then in the New Testament you see that he came to this earth and what he will do when he comes again. It's all about Jesus, my friend. To fulfill the messianic prophecy that Jesus would be from the bloodline of King David, Joseph was in the bloodline of King David. He was 14 generations removed from Adam. He was from the tribe of Judah. All of these things were to be where the Messiah would come from. And he's, he's checking these boxes. And then also, it was to fulfill prophecy. Look, again, in Isaiah seven fourteen, it said, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Folks, Joseph took a leap of faith as a man of integrity. And here's the thing that blows my mind. And, and I've, I've taught this. I've read this. Have you heard the story before? You've heard about Joseph, haven't you? Have y'all heard about Joseph? We've all been there, done that, bought the T-shirt, right? But here's the thing that kind of my aha moment for all this was we know that Jesus was tempted and tried in every way, but yet he never faltered. Now, I know he was God. I know that he was God's son. 
but I fully believe that he got his resolve and he learned how to stay strong from a father that would do what Joseph is doing right here. I think so many times we have minimized Joseph's role in this story, and I think his role was much larger than we give him credit. Now, I'm, I'm going ahead and say, Mary did the hard work, okay? <laughs> I understand that. But who guided her through that on this earth? Joseph did. Joseph was her protector, guys. Joseph was the one that taught his children, including Jesus, how to be a man of integrity. Taught them how even when people don't agree with you and it doesn't make sense, if God says it, you've got to trust it. I've got to think is that when Jesus is at the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying, Lord, not my will, but your will be done, as he is, the cross is looming in his immediate future. He's saying, Daddy, I don't want to do this. If there's any way possible, give me a way out. And then he says what? Yet not my will, but your will be done. His father is doing the same thing here, his earthly father. You want me to marry your God? Even after what she's saying? Okay, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus learned it from somewhere, folks. I don't know what age Joseph was when he passed away, but he was old enough to make an impression on his son, Jesus. Here's the thing. A leap of faith, even when you don't understand, is this. God will honor you when you trust him in his word, in obedience, even when it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Remember when I said, uh, Mom and Dad, uh, I'm, I'm in seminary, and I know that I started with a, a business degree, but uh, I want to go into ministry. Oh, son. What's the, what's the first thing that most parents say when, when a son says that they want to go into ministry? You know what it is? I'll tell you what it is. Just make, something you, make sure you have something to fall back on. And I'm sure that when uh, kids have told their parents they want to be an actor, they want to be a musician, they want to be a YouTube influencer, they want to be an Instagram influencer, they want to do things that they hadn't heard of, well, just get something you can fall back on. They mean well. But folks, is that a leap of faith if you've got something to fall back on? What kind of pastor am I going to be if I'm leading a church with my hand on the back door trying to go somewhere else? What kind of husband are you going to be if you're always keeping your option open to somebody else? What kind of wife are you going to be if you're going to be looking for other things to fulfill the void that you're not getting somewhere else? What's going to happen when, when we are so divided and something, we are not invested as Joseph was? When he took a leap of faith, he was all in even when it didn't make sense, my friends. So now we move to Mary in Luke chapter 1. Starting with verse 26, we see Mary demonstrated a Christmas faith. Look at Luke chapter 1, verses, starting with verse 26. The birth of Jesus is foretold. It says, God was working ahead for Joseph and Mary. I think this is amazing, that God sent an angel to speak to Joseph, but he was also speaking to Mary at the same time. Man, let me tell you something. Ladies, let me tell you something. In marriage, if God's working with you on something, he's probably working with your other spouse on that as well. They may not be communicating it, but God is working it out. I never would have come to Homeland Park Baptist Church if God hadn't confirmed it in Donna's life. 
There are things that Donna has gone through that I've helped her through that. God speaks to both sets if we will listen. The mention of Elizabeth is here. This was Mary's uh, six. She was in her sixth month. It says in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in the Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Mary is clearly said to be a virgin. There is no ambiguity about this at all. Mary had never had physical intimacy with any other man, and in this today, woman either. Her aunt Elizabeth was so old, she was in, uh, I guess they would say, in the barren years back in those days. But let me ask you something. If God can make an elderly woman pregnant, is it that much further of a stretch for him to make a virgin pregnant? God can do whatever he wants. He's not limited by our physical structure. He created us, folks. It's not inconceivable for God to do more when creating the Messiah. If you remember, Elizabeth gave birth to a baby. Anybody remember who that was for the the Sunday school question of the day? That was John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. So there, even again, John, I mean, God is preparing Jesus and his way and his ministry by sending John before him. (coughs) And then it says, she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Again, that was one of the keys. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. And it said, this is the understatement in verse 29. It said, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. You ever been confused and disturbed? Sometimes I think it's funny, kind of like when a, a dog's trying to figure something out, and they'll look at you, and the ears will perk up, and they'll just cock their head sideways like, what would you say? That's kind of, kind of what's going on here. She was likely, again, 13, 14 years old, according to to Jewish culture of that time. I cannot imagine a 13, 14, 15, 16, even 17-year-old girl trying to wrap their minds around this. Her being confused and disturbed was probably an understatement. She was probably freaking out. Mary was young and humble, and she could not believe that such a high calling from God would come to her. She's thinking, as of all the people you could have, have had give birth to this Messiah, you're choosing me. She was humbled. How could God use you and I in such miraculous ways? Well, first of all, we need to be willing. And again, verse 30, what does he say to her? Same thing the angel says to Joseph. Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, and he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. The main point of this revelation was not Mary's faith, but it was what was coming through her faith. The main theme of this, yes, their Christmas faith is strong, but their faith enabled the Son of Jesus to be born on this earth. Mary asked the angel in verse 34, but how can this happen 
I am a virgin. That was a very logical question, right? Honest question? Really? How's this going to happen? She was, she was, you know what I mean by saying left brain? She was in the left brain. She was in the analytical skills. How is this going to work? Because I know how babies are made, and this is not it. So it says here that she was skeptical, but at the same time, she was in awe. Isn't that the way it works when we are, in, we are skeptical of what God is doing, but we are in awe that he would even use us? I think that every day I realize that I'm a pastor and I'm, I'm that shock and awe and, and uh, it's just amazing. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That term, overshadow, if, if we could go back to the Old Testament just for a second. Y'all, are y'all familiar with the Holy of Holies? That is where the priest would go in and intercede on, for the sins on behalf of their people. It was believed that in this Holy of Holies there was a cloud there that represented the presence of God. The Bible calls it the Shekinah glory. So when it says that the Spirit of God overshadowed Mary, that same Shekinah glory came over her, and that is what caused her to become pregnant. It was God. God did not physically touch her. There was not a physical manifestation of somebody coming to uh, make that process happen. It was God's Spirit overshadowing her. It says, so the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and now is in her sixth month. And I love this, verse 37, if you underline anything or have heard anything I said today as we are coming closer to the end, for the word of God will never fail. Can you say that with me? For the word of God will never fail. Now you do it. For the word of of God will never fail. Remember that because the devil wants to make you think it will. But the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Folks, Mary responded to God's call with faith. She says, I am the Lord's servant. Folks, knowing who you serve makes committing to service more meaningful. <laughs> if you are a leader in this church, you are not leading for me. You are not leading for your family. You are leading because the Lord has called you to do that. When we know who we are serving, it makes doing that so much easier. For example, many of you have, have you ever done temp work. I know Donna used to do that when we were first getting getting our feet on the ground, she would do temp work, and it would be a different different business, different time. We'll go down the road. She'd say, used to work here, used to work here. This is where this happened. This is where this happened. Because she was part of a temp service. But then you did, anybody else do temp jobs? I'm just, okay. Yeah, so you know what I'm talking about. So what's the difference between being the temp worker and then all of a sudden getting a real job and you get your own desk, your own nameplate, your own little whatever? Boy, it's different, isn't it? You're employed. You're not worried about where you're going to next week. This is your job. This is where you have been called to do. Mary knew who she was serving. This was not a temporary thing. This was God's will for her life. And then God gave also 
her some earthly support. I'm sure it was scary enough for Mary to be pregnant, period, let alone by the Holy Spirit, by carrying God's Son. I'm sure that was scary. But isn't it cool that not only was John the forerunner of Jesus, but Mary had somebody that was in a very similar, another family member, (laughs) her older aunt, (laughs) is carrying a baby. That must have made family reunions kind of awkward, don't you think? Well, God gave Mary earthly support too. He gave her Joseph as her protector, her leader, her guide, and he gave her Elizabeth as someone that was going through the same thing. And finally, God used the faith of Joseph and Mary to bring Jesus the Messiah and our Savior into the world. The incarnation. Jesus came to save us from our sins and ourselves. Look, it says right here in verse 23, they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. We don't serve some foreign type of ethereal man-made construct People would say the religion is man-made a construct, but folks, Jesus was buried. You can go to where he was buried, and if you go there, you won't find any bones because he rose. He's not a fairy tale. He lived, he died, and he is coming again. All because of what's happening at Christmas. God saw that we needed help, and so he enlisted his son, Jesus, to come put on this, this suit called skin and humanity And walk among us and live among us and become the sacrifice so that we could be saved and forgiven of our sins. Yes, his life, his death, his blood, and his resurrection paid for our sin debt. Think about this. Jesus lived 33 and a half years as a human to show the world and even you and I how to interact with God. And how to interact with one another. So as we look at this, there's the good and the bad. The good and the bad. What's, what's the bad? The bad thing is, Joseph and Mary would be looked at as this crazy couple who claimed God got Mary pregnant. I'm sure that they were the talk of the town. I'm sure they would have had a, a, face, a secret Facebook group started in, in their name. Just so people could talk about it. I'm sure it would have been the, the town the town chew. Everybody would chew on and talk about how crazy that was. Maybe you've been the subject of something like that. Maybe you have been the object of somebody's, uh, I guess you would say, bullying. Or, or you've been the object of being talked about all the time. But that's okay. Joseph and Mary were talked about. That's the bad part of this. But what's the good part about this? Joseph and Mary will forever be known as a couple who stepped out on faith and believed God when he said, Mary, as a virgin, you will give birth to his son. They belong in the word of God and are given great honor for their Christmas faith still today. Those people that talked about them way back then, they are dead and gone. But we are still talking about the Christmas faith of Joseph and Mary today. My friends... It does not matter what I think of you. It does not matter what people in this town think of you. 
It does not matter what social media thinks of you. What matters is what God thinks about you. And if you are on the downside of somebody today, understand that with God and faith, you will be the one that people will be talking about later because of what God has done in your life. You don't live for the approval of people, my friends. You live for the approval of God. And when you act on faith, it's not to please people, but it is to please your creator your creator, and your heavenly father. So my question to you as we close today, do you have a Christmas faith? Do you have a Christmas faith? Will you allow God to do the unthinkable through you? You can trust his word, just like Joseph and Mary. Trust his word, trust his process, and do not be afraid. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for our time together this morning, and thank you for showing us through Joseph and Mary the faith that they had to take you at your word. The scripture said this morning that, that your word never fails, God. You never fail, and God is calling men and women from this church to do great and mighty things for you. Many of them are already doing great and mighty things for you. But Lord, if there is one person watching by way of Facebook, if there is one person in this building today that understands that the story is not revolving around Joseph and Mary, but around Jesus. And that they realize that Jesus died for them. And that the greatest gift they could get today is the forgiveness of their sins, of everything that they have done. All the bad things. Your blood can wash clean, God. They can become a new creature today. And that would take a leap of faith by saying, God, I cannot do it on my own anymore. I give you my life. I'm going to live for you. Forgive me of my sins and help me to walk in the newness of life.